You're listening to a podcast from Father Peter Smith, St. Columbus Parish, North Leichhardt, on the 29th Sunday in Ordinary Time. And now here's Father Peter. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The Pharisees went away to work out between them how to trap Jesus in what he said. And they sent their disciples to him together with the Herodians to say, Master, we know that you are an honest man and teach the way of God in an honest way, and that you are not afraid of anyone because a man's rank means nothing to you. Tell us your opinion then. Is it permissible to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus was aware of their malice and replied, You hypocrites, why do you set this trap for me? Let me see the money you pay the tax with. They handed him a denarius and he said, Whose head is this? Whose name? Caesar's, they replied. He then said to them, Very well, give back to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. The Gospel of the Lord. This evening we hear this story about them trying to trap Jesus by asking this question. Is it permissible to pay tax or not? Of course, the problem here was that if Jesus said, well, yes, of course you should pay tax, then he would be seen to be siding with the Roman occupiers. If he said no, then he would be denouncing them and so was caught between the rock and the hard place. And Jesus, quite cleverly, once again, avoids their trap. In Jesus' time, the people under Roman occupation had to pay three different taxes. They paid a poll tax or a census tax where every person in the house, females over 14, males over 16, were all taxed each time a census was taken up. They also had to pay an income tax, that is, part of their produce every year was sent in to the Roman authorities. And the third one was the Jewish authorities, the temple tax that they had to pay. And so all of those added up, of course, to a lot of money. But they also added up often to a lot of injustice. The Roman occupiers taking money from people, just as their own temple officials were doing. And so this begins this kind of separation or argument about between church and state, how they relate to each other. Of course, in 313, under Constantine, that was all cured because the two of them came together. Constantine became a Christian and Christianity became the religion of the empire. And that persisted for decades, centuries. It's hard to know when it actually finished, but perhaps it was probably most likely in the Enlightenment, which started round about 1885 and finished, uh, sorry, 1685 and ended about 1815. The Enlightenment said, we know things by reason alone. We don't need God or rules or regulations, but human intellect can work out what is the right and wrong thing to do. Of course, part of it was a great individualism as well that kind of shunned society and, and group dynamics. And so we come to our own time where that separation has kind of continued, hasn't it? I think we Christians have become frightened of politics. We've become frightened to speak up because politics and religion should never mix, should they? Well, 
In the early days, in Greek times, Socrates talked about it as the polis. That is the people getting together. That's where our word politics comes from. And he thought that rules, laws, regulations should all be made to build up the community of people, the polis, that we should work together for every individual in society so that the government's rules and regulations were there to govern, to build up society for all people. Let's skip ahead to our own time. I, I do believe that we continue to talk about this separation of church and state. Of course, many countries still have the idea of singing to God in their national anthem, New Zealand, America, and, and many others. We in our very Christian country don't, of course. But it seems to me that what governments do in our society is actually closely aligned with the challenges of what church does. So we expect governments to legislate on things for our society, health, education, to be setting wages for the lowest who have paid, to care for the environment and especially to be looking at climate change, to look at how people can be cared for, our own indigenous brothers and sisters, they make rules about migration and refugees and all those kind of things. Are they not things that the church should have a say in? Are they not things that we should have an opinion about? The notion of polis, as Socrates talked about, to me seems very closely aligned to what the church in its social teaching talks about as the common good. That is, we are not individuals gathering together. We are a community, we are a people who want to care for and support each other. Jesus saw that trap in his own time. He saw that he was being challenged as to whether the government should look after individuals or whether we had to keep the way in which we care for each other by paying taxes. That's what we do. That money is used for infrastructure and all the things that government does. As Christians, we cannot back away from the laws of our society. We cannot believe that government makes rules just for themselves or just for big business. But we should be a people who challenge our society that we do build up the common good, that the laws and legislations that are enacted by our parliaments are for all of us, and especially for the most marginalised in our society who fail to have a voice. We have a wonderful social welfare system in this country. We have a great healthcare system. We have a fantastic education system. That's not true of so many countries in our world. But you know, it's interesting. Lots of those things came about by the church driving those things. Trade unions is another example. Trade unions are established by one of the very first social justice statements ever released from Rome back in the 1800s. And so we as a people believe that we work together for the polis, for the common good, not just for our own selfish self-interests.